Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Again, if you've been impacted by any of these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Or you can go to wengerdministries.org and click the Projects tab or GIVE and then you can check out the various projects, Awakening Fire, Flights for Hope, or Fire in the Hills, and be asking the Lord if He wants you to sow financial seed, either as a partner directly with Wengard Ministries or as, uh, sowing into any of these projects. Come and be a part of the work that God is doing through Wengard Ministries. Now today I want to start out with a word that the Lord gave me while we were helping to host the Fire in the Hills event here in our area. We had several local guest speakers from our region, and then Todd White joined us as well uh, for the last couple days. God is doing some amazing things here among the Anabaptists and restoring the zeal and the fire of the early church leaders who really, they gave their lives for the religious freedom that we now have. And then I also want you to check out the live message uh, where I just preached the return of the Lordship of Jesus over America and eventually the world, and the message is called, In God We Trust. See, that's the message over America, but it all starts with each one of us individually. Revival will not manifest in your area until it is birthed in your own heart. And maybe you've heard that already, but this word from the Lord, is it's the title to today's message. He said, hold nothing back. Now, when I think of this, I, I, I think of people, you know, many people have a desire to do what's right, but when they're pushed to fully commit or not, they tend to shrink back in fear. And I don't know how this, this hits you. I don't know how uh, this message feels to you, but I want you to consider something and, and stick with me for this message. One of our guest speakers is a young man by the name of Danny Schrock, and God has a powerful call of evangelism on his life. And he had to reach the point where he said, I will hold nothing back. He, he actually spent some time with Daniel Kalenda and Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, uh, Christ for All Nations. And the power of God is with him. His mom and dad were there attending and the Lord gave me a word for his mom. And this word was very simple and it's actually the title of this message. So after her after I told her the message, this word, I, I realized, you know, it's really a word for me as well. And really, it's a word for all of us. So I started digging and asking the Lord. And this, it's an instruction from him. It's also an invitation. It's how he is able to work through us. So he said, hold nothing back. Now, I know that every situation is different, and God may give instructions that are unique to your situation, but Today, I want to talk about the three core instructions given by Jesus. They were called commandments, but I prefer to use the word instructions. Now, I'd like to start out by reading Matthew 22, verses 35 to 40. So, Matthew 22:35 35 says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
Now, when I, when I hear that, I, I think, you know, this comes right after Jesus had silenced the Sadducees when they tried to trap him with a difficult question. Jesus never even seemed to hesitate with his answer. He answered their questions and then followed up with a second answer to a question they had not even asked. He said, well, that's the greatest one, and then here's the second. And then he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What did he mean by that? Is it possible that the whole law and the prophets truly hang on these two instructions? I think sometimes that we have overcomplicated what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As I look through scriptures, I find these two instructions and then they are followed up by one more that he gave before he ascended to heaven. So I want to look at Matthew 28. Um, actually, I'll just quote that because it's, I'm sure we've all heard it. It's where Jesus said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, if you notice that Jesus left his disciples with one very clear instruction. What did Jesus do while he was on the earth? Of course, he made disciples. He said all authority has been given to him, so we should go therefore. Do you understand that our power comes from his authority, which he bought back with his own blood? That's why he has all authority, because he gave his life for it. Remember, making disciples is not possible if you are not first loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and also loving your neighbor as yourself. I actually think that many times we read those verses and, and we think, I, I don't know. I mean, who, who can live up to that? Who can live up to that commandment? With all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, like all of me. But I'm here to tell you, it's not that complicated. In fact, it's very simple if we refuse to live in fear. Here are the three commandments of Jesus in just a few words. He said, love God, love people, make disciples. In fact, I could probably simplify it even more and say again what Holy Spirit showed me this weekend. He said, hold nothing back. Now, I could probably just stop right here and you would have a basic idea of what that means to you. And we should probably be reminded of this on a continual basis. So remind your friends and your family, hold nothing back. But I want to challenge you with something that you may not have given much thought to before. What does it mean to make disciples? Understanding again, this is loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Allowing him to work through you. So what did Jesus do? He made copies of himself. What did Paul do? He made copies of himself. In fact, Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So my question to you is, can you say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Now, I immediately have a picture that comes to mind of the Apostle Paul telling the Corinthian church to imitate him. And I think of Paul as one who really has his life together when he's writing this. He knows what he believes. He's preaching about it in churches everywhere. And when I compare that initial view of Paul with his own description of himself, 
I see a, a stark difference. So I want to look at how he describes himself in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 11 through 16. 1 Corinthians 4, 11. He says, To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands, being reviled we bless, being persecuted we endure, being defamed we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Now, I don't know how those verses hit you, but who really wants to identify with, with these? Who, who really wants to imitate that? If I'm honest, I need to admit that I've probably skipped over those verses because they're not very comfortable to hear. But do you realize that Paul had learned to be simple, like Jesus was? He actually describes what he learned through his life in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. There's a few verses I want to read in Philippians 4, but we'll start in verse 11. He says, Not, I have to turn the page here, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, he's simplifying things down, but he's basically saying that he's not motivated or controlled by his circumstances or his surroundings. So I decided to look a little bit earlier in Philippians 4 and then just see if I could learn anything more. So I want to read verses 4 through 9. Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm. He sure sounds at peace. When I read these verses, I think, huh, I do want to imitate that. See, the last verse, he says, imitate me and the peace of God will be with you. The secret here is that Paul knew his identity in Christ. He even said in, in verse 5, he said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Why would he say the Lord is at hand? See, Paul wanted them to know that he knowingly carried the presence of Jesus into every situation. Paul knew that before he could make disciples, he had to learn the simplicity of Jesus. He had to learn to be a disciple first. So let's not complicate what it means to live like Jesus. 
So many of our efforts in life are centered around protecting ourselves, the people we love, or the possessions we have. Now, I want to say that again, but I want to ask it in question form. How many of your efforts in life are centered around protecting yourself, or protecting the people you love, or the possessions you have? Answer that question. I really believe that Jesus didn't even think about what was going to happen next. He didn't need to. He simply lived from day to day and moment to moment with a heart full of trust toward his heavenly Father. And he said, I only do what I see my Father do. Do you see here how this ties into Paul's word to the people who were supporting him financially even through all of this? In Philippians 4.19 then he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, he had learned to live in the simplicity of Jesus and in the fullness and abundance of the kingdom. See, Jesus was always taken care of, but his own safety and provision was never his focus. This is why he could sleep in the middle of a storm. This is why Paul and Silas could sing and praise while being chained in prison. Now, I know this may not be a popular message to preach, but it truly is one of the most freeing things to learn in your heart. The Israelites had to learn to trust God in the wilderness. Abraham had to learn to trust God at every step. In fact, if I look through the Bible, it's a common story with all of the men and women of God. David and Joseph and Daniel, Gideon, Mary, Ruth, Esther, I could go on and on. Every one of these stories has at its very core the lessons that each one of them learned on their way to full and complete trust of God as their father. So the question is, how much do you trust your father? As a disciple of Christ, do you trust him as he did? It's only when your heart is fully settled in who you are that you are free to show others who they are as children of God. Remember, love God, love people, and make disciples. Can you see more clearly how simple it can be to live like Jesus? This does not come, though, without a growing relationship with him. Remember, you need to be a disciple before you can make disciples. You, you only tr- It ends up being you're trying to live correctly and do the right things, but that's all it ends up being. That's why it's empty in religion. It, it all just keeps revolving around doing the right things, living correctly, until you've had an encounter with him. When you have had an encounter with him, and this is through the power of the Holy Spirit, Open yourself up to him. Receive him in an encounter. This is the the manifestation of the Spirit. This is why becoming a disciple is not just about following instructions in a book. If that's all it was, then anyone could just read the book and do what it says, and they would be uh, they, they would have the fullness of it. But it's this book is only as as full as your relationship with him. So grow in your relationship with him. Give yourself unconditionally to him and hold nothing back. And you will be able to lay down your life for others. When you are truly free to do this, fear will have no more hold on you. See, there was a time where my family and I went through a process of, of um, I guess, uh, finding ourselves at a place of having nothing. <laughs> and the Lord gave me a word. He said, most people never allow themselves the privilege of having nothing. And so what I realized in that process is 
I'm not going to die. I will be okay. The Lord will take care of me. And he assured my heart and he has taken care of us. So when you when you get in this process and you find yourself in a situation where you can have fear, refuse to fear. Don't let fear have any hold on you. Trust the Lord. He is good. See, if there's anything that describes Todd White and the message that he preaches, and this is not just an advocacy for Todd White, but he was just here preaching and it's easy to see in, in, in the testimonies that he has. He holds nothing back. He has countless testimonies of walking boldly into a situation and seeing the hand of the Lord move in people's lives. There's plenty of people who we could point to and say, you know what? They hold nothing back, and I see the power of God in their life. Now, they've been through some stuff, but they hold nothing back because they're not trying to protect themselves. They have learned to be content in whatsoever state they're in. This is why we can all tell our testimonies. So what situations have you gone boldly into and seen the hand of the Lord move in people's lives? The weekend that we were holding this, I prayed for a guy whose right elbow had been making a noise and hurting him for years. When he walked away, he was saying, hey, that actually worked. He said, God did heal me. And it was so simple. God just touched his arm the clicking stopped, the pain quit, and he was healed. Now, I want to finish out this time today by reading some verses that I found that really describe our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and how we not only begin acting like him, but we actually become fully one with him. And that is truly what draws others to him. It's in 1 John 4, uh, verses 7 through 19. And I just want to read through those. It's a simple set of verses. And this is the description of who we are. Verse 7 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son, is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I'd like to encourage you if if uh, you need to go back and listen to these verses over and over until the message is, is made clear in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding of this. See, he wants to live through you. If you are fearful, 
then you are not actually trusting him fully. You're trying to protect yourself. Once you allow yourself fully, you hold nothing back. You allow him to work in your heart. You then have the ability to touch the world as Jesus did. So go and tell people your testimonies of how you have loved God and loved people and made disciples. Remember, you are the light of the world, so hold nothing back. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.